I think that's mm. the key to any project, though. It's just the communication. It's the communication between yourself, your builder, the tradies, the council, everybody. If you all talk yeah. about it, you pretty quickly can get a solution. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of She Renovates. And today I have a guest in Ruth Newman. So Ruth has a business called Ruth Newman Architects, Ruth Newman Architects. And basically what Ruth Newman Architects are is an architectural concierge. So I want to hear a bit more about that, Ruth, when you take over. But I've known Ruth for many years. She actually was one of the volunteers on our charity project. Do you remember that day, Ruth? Oh, I do, yes. (laughs) And we were having a little chat about the fact that quite a few of Ruth's clients actually choose to project manage their projects and we decided that there's probably an opportunity there to flesh out the whole role of a project manager because I think that's quite poorly understood And it's somewhere where our businesses actually cross over. So we're going to be talking about the actual project management of projects today. So welcome, Ruth. Thank you, Bernadette. Nice to be here. Yeah, good to have you. Now, would you like to just tell us a little bit more in depth what your practice actually does? So we've been around for about 15 years. We're based in uh, Sydney in New South Wales. And we work in quite a number of areas. We're in the work in the residential space. We also have some major retail clients. So we've done quite a bit of work in that space. It keeps us very busy. And other little things like at the moment we're working on a school and things like that. So lots of different variety in what we do and different things that we do for those clients. Like some clients we just do sketches and things, others we do full documentation and select their finishes and all those sort of things. Depends on the client on what we what we need to do for them and how we process all that. So is that where the term concierge comes from? Yeah, the concierge process was more of a way to try and understand, to help people understand what we do. So kind of like a hotel concierge, anything that you need for your project, if you, whatever it is that you need, if we can't do it directly, then we'll find a person that will do it for you. So exactly that same process. We say that we design, document and deliver your project but often there's things that people don't even realise they need along the way and it's so like, well, can you do this? So, for example, today I had to do some completely different basics reports for a client. He needed it. His previous person wasn't available. Who can help us? Can you find somebody? Do that. So that's part of our service is to help them do things that are sometimes a little complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, building and renovating, there are lots of curveballs, aren't there? There are indeed. Yeah. yeah. And so, and you mainly work on the North Shore of Sydney or Northern Beaches or where is no, your no, geography? All over New South Wales, all over New South Wales. Big. And our retail stuff's all Australia and New Zealand. Okay. And have you got a big team? Uh, there's six of us at the moment. So okay. well, we are looking for healthy. other people. Should anybody know anybody who's out there looking for a role? We are looking for architects at the moment. Yeah, so. they're pretty pretty 
in short supply at the moment, I believe, like the rest of the building industry. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we're going to talk about project managing your renovation. And I know you, I think, expressed a situation where clients will often get their drawings done but then will go to project manage their project and not really have a full understanding of what that involves. And I know I've had conversations with David about this as well. He says he loves it when a client actually has a project manager because it means that he knows that, you know, that the plan is going to be executed well because what happens when someone chooses to project manage but doesn't have the skills to do it? Often it costs them a hell of a lot more. That's probably the biggest part of it is that they end up being... Because they haven't got the experience and that sort of stuff, they end up probably spending more money than they need to or being led a little bit down a garden path because they haven't, they don't understand the consequences of the decisions and that making a decision about one part of a build will quite often keep going down the line and impact quite a number of the things on the build. So you need that need that experience to understand that that's what it's going to be. So I'm just changing for example, the size of a window or something also impacts then how much material you need for the wall cladding or what you need to do for the plasterboard internally or the amount of architrave that you were going to use internally. So one seemingly small decision can have an ongoing impact on a project. Mm, Absolutely. And do you ever have times where those small decisions impact the viability of the project or the capacity to meet the um, approval the conditions of approval that's a big one yeah definitely with the conditions of approval and using that window example again because the part of the approval is going through the process of saying this is how big our window is this is how much glazing there is this is how much what the energy implications of that are if you then go and change that then there may be some consequences when you finish as to what happened. So the example that I used in my introduction there about the BASICS calculation, the people had put in the completely wrong and they did not understand the implications of doing that whatsoever and it has has rolled on to the page where they nearly finished their whole build and are ready to get it all signed off. And because they've changed the hot water unit without checking, it's had a fairly big implication. Luckily, we were able to get somebody to help us out, but it was completely outside, yeah, the control of the person involved. Mm. Yeah, because basically you calculate the capacity of things like hot water and windows and ventilation and all all those aspects of the project to make sure that you meet with the regulations when you're designing it. Exactly, right at the beginning of the project. So when it gets its planning approval, whether it's DA or, or whatever it is, depending on your state, we do that at that stage and that needs to roll on right through the project and not get changed. And Or if it is changed, it needs to be updated to make sure it will still comply. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so normally who does the project management of a project? Quite often it ends up being the builder. Okay. Hmm. And so, and is that a good outcome? If you have a very good builder, then yes. But the problem with that is there's no secondary opinion on what's going on with the build. So if if you have, even at, at the moment where we have such a short shortage of materials and all of that sort of stuff, so often you have to use substitute materials. And so there's obviously a variation 
for that. And it may cost more or it may cost less, but there's nobody there to communicate that and understand. So you're relying on, and obviously if you have a great relationship with your builder and you trust them and all those sort of things, it's good. But they're not all builders are like that. And not, yeah. all, not all people understand what's going on. So it is good to have a third party that helps you go through that process and make sure that a thousand extra bricks does cost the amount of money that you're being told that a thousand extra bricks cost so that yeah. you have control of your budget and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Variations are such a pain in the neck, aren't they? They are. Necessary evil, but. Yeah. yeah, particularly if you're renovating, it's a necessary evil because as soon as you pull down mm. a wall or take off a door or whatever it is, you'll discover something's different to what you had assumed it was. Exactly. I know I I had a bit of a problem with the builder that we started with in Red in sorry not Redfern in Newcastle because every day like two or three things that he would come in and and say oh this is a variation and. I really felt that he was playing the system a bit, but, you know, can't get anyone else. You've sort of got to work with them. But are you finding getting, I, I guess you, you don't necessarily, do you normally choose the builder or does the does your client do that? Usually the client does. We It depends on the project. We are trying to work with our clients to help them with that whole tender process and all those sort of things. We are, we have a list of builders that we recommend in the local area and depending on how our clients want to do it, we either give them the referral and say, here, these are the guys you should talk to or we do offer a service where we would do the tendering for them so that they don't have to look after that part of the process. Okay. But yeah. most of our yeah. clients at the moment pick the builder themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so have you had any clients do a good job of their project management? I have had a few. There's one um, actually just down the road. He did a really, really good job, but he did a really good job by taking six months off work, long service leave. So he and he had worked with the builder that he chose before. He'd worked with him before, so they already had a relationship and he knew what he was doing and he knew what our drawings said and he knew why we had picked, you know, the particular roofing that we'd picked, for example. He knew why we'd done that. And when the builder said, oh, I don't want to do it that way, he said, well, we are doing it this way because this, this and this. And so from the point of view of that client, it worked out really, yeah. really well. But that's just because he had the time and the capacity to take the time off work and he was yeah. able to be there with the builder. He was almost the builder's labourer as well. So he did project management, but he actually helped him and worked on site and had a lot of control over the project and that worked out beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. But if you do have a builder, as a project management manager, you really shouldn't have to be full-time on the job. You shouldn't have to, no. No. So he didn't have to. He just wanted to do it that way. Yeah. So I'm thinking about this from two points of view. From the point of view, because as you know, our market is women. So from a woman that might be planning a renovation on her own home and, and deciding whether to project manage it herself or not, but also we have women that are very competent with renovating, whether that's that's an area that they might be able to move into. So if you were to engage a project manager independently, what would you expect to pay a project manager? But I would imagine that it would be some sort of a, you would be able to either negotiate a lump sum fee to say, if you worked for me for six hours a week, 
then this is what we pay or or an agree and an hourly rate. And I would think if it was a qualified project manager, you would be looking at between the two and three hundred dollars an hour if you did an hourly rate. So perhaps that lump sum where you say, okay, we're going to be building for this amount of time, how much will you charge me per week or something like that would probably be the way to go. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Awesome. Hmm. And so can we just dig a little bit more into some of the issues that you encounter if you're trying to project manage your own project without the level of skill, what are some of the issues that someone, so we've said, firstly, if they're relying very heavily on the builder, there's not a, there are no checks and balances. Is, mm-hmm. Oh, that was when you don't have a project manager at all, but not understanding the full implications of changes in the plan further down. Is there, can you think of anything else that? Yeah, I think it would be understanding the yeah, the various things that you find along the way, understanding the yeah. changes, understanding the implications of the approvals and what changes you make based on those approvals. That is often a big one. And I think understanding the difference between various materials as well. So yeah. the quality of a window system, for example, or you know those sort of things that a certain window system may have been specified or may have been picked and then yeah. to go and pick somebody else's windows to put in is not necessarily the same thing. Okay. And often people think, so it's been approved with, say, a window with e-glass or something, and then people think if they just go and replace all that with double glazing that they'll be fine and that's okay. not necessarily the case. So it's yeah. just it's probably those sort of technical issues I think are the biggest areas yeah 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 and at the moment it's probably understanding the costing because things are so volatile at the moment because of COVID and the building industry generally I think that's probably one of the biggest areas at the moment can I afford it and I know we're planning a renovation on our own home and I'm thinking the timing of this is terrible Mm. and do we need to do it all straight away? Can we do what we have to do now? Mm. But what do you think is going to happen with the building industry? What sort of impact are the floods going to have on it? I think they'll have the massive um, impact in that materials will be even more in demand. Like there's already a a shortage of um, plasterboard and things like that, difficult to find. And so when you've got to re-sheet however many houses, businesses, everything else, so how is anybody going to find plasterboard? It's things like yeah. that. And plasterers to put the plasterboard up even. Exactly. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's probably going to be the, the biggest one. And I think because it's just been such a massive impact with these floods and everything that it's going to be a long-term thing. I don't think it's going to be over in six months. I think it's going to be longer than that. Yeah. So you mentioned your, was it Lismore that you're in yesterday? Yeah. Lismore last week. Yeah. 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 And it's devastating it's just awful there were houses there in in one of the main streets that I drove down a two-story house with the piles of rubbish out the front higher than the front veranda on the second story it's just everything out on the street and yeah devastating yeah and then they haven't even started stripping out the house all they've done is take all the mattresses and beds and clothes and everything else out the stripping out of the house a lot of the businesses in the main street are all stripped out and ready to go again but the houses yeah 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 it's 
it's definitely going to take some time. Okay, so if someone is choosing to project manage their own project, let's Mm -hmm. say you've done the plans and they're going to project manage it themselves, what skills would you say would you suggest that they go and get? Mm, That's a good question. Yeah, they probably, it wouldn't hurt to do something like an owner builders course or some of those sort of things where you get a little bit more knowledge of the process and what the skills are, not necessarily to nominate yourself as an owner builder. Yeah. Yeah, I don't necessarily recommend that. But you could do something like that. There's lots of courses that the various, like even Giprock or all those sort of people, they do a lot of training for architects and, and engineers and those sort of people because we all have to keep our CPD points up. But there's a lot of those sort of trainings that are quite simple. They're not complicated and technical, but it gives you the knowledge of how how all that sort of stuff works. So if there's anything like that that you don't really understand, even AWS Windows, they do some courses that you can just do online to understand what's going on and what what you're doing so that when later on when you when somebody's discussing it with you you have a level of knowledge about the stuff I think those sort of things are really good or even the green roof waterproofing sort of people they always have those things they're about half an hour some of it's a bit technical but most of it you'd be able to pick up at least to be able to talk to somebody and understand I think that's really good advice and especially if you know a certain system's being specified in your project actually going and seeking out whether that company does have online education Mm. is I think probably quite wise I've actually done the owner builder course and I thought it was really quite good because for one it teaches you sort of that you have around your you know things around your responsibilities and some I guess professional project skills like the tendering process and things like that But in saying that, like I'm going to give our program a plug now, we, like someone that's come through our program would get a lot of, would have a really sound basis for managing their own project. And Mm. the thing I think is that women tend to think, oh, no, that's too hard for me, that's technical, you know. Well, some do. And I think that that's a shame because I think often as wives and mothers and you know, even if you don't have a partner, usually you end up being the person at work organises everything, you're a good organiser and being organised is absolutely, I think, one of the critical skills. Like if you're going to make a change with your on your reno plan that your architect has specified, communicating that before actually making the change so that you know that what you're doing is going to comply and not mess up the the plan think those sorts of things like you don't have to be too smart to figure out that that you know to figure out I should really ring my architect and check with them before I change this so yeah I think that that it definitely mm. is something that women can do quite well yeah I think that's mm. the key to any project though it's just the communication it's the communication between yourself your builder the the tradies the council the everybody if you all talk yeah. about it you pretty quickly can get a solution. But it's the when you do the ostrich thing and stick your head in the sand, you're not going to you're not going to get the answers and it's going that's when you run into trouble. It's just talking to people. Exactly. 
And a quick phone call is not that big a deal. No. And tell me, what's the most disastrous thing? Or it can be a funny thing or just like, what's the most memorable thing, project management story you've come across? I've come across quite a few over the years. But one of the the big ones that uh, somebody talked to me about not long ago was the they were told that they didn't need to engage their architect to do the project management, that it would all be fine and that everything would be good. And they, yeah, went along that line. And their kitchen, five years in, everything underneath the floor was all wet and all horrible and everything, and the kitchen was not draining properly and had destroyed all of the flooring underneath and everything because they were told that everything was going to be okay, that even when they raised the problem at the time and so their $30,000 kitchen needed to be replaced five years later. So that was a fairly major one that I wouldn't want to wish on anybody. And then I had another one where they changed the windows and didn't get it approved and so it took quite a while to get that final occupation certificate because of the changes that were made without telling the certifier and going through that process. Hmm. So when a project's finished, the certifier comes through and basically checks that the the project has been built consistent with the approval but also with the building code. Uh, well, I know that it's NCC now, but same thing. So, yeah. yeah, so that's when those things get picked up, isn't it? Yes, often it does. That's mm-hmm. usually when it, when it is. And by then it's too late because you've already built it all and spent all your money on it. And things are yes. getting a little bit more complicated now because the... Um, construction certificate used to be that your drawings that that it had to be within the intent of the approved DA and now it has to be consistent with the approved DA which is two completely different things so you have to be very careful to make sure that you're doing the right thing yeah and work very closely with your architect absolutely Mm. Mm. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today, Ruth. If someone wants to contact you, so are you able to let us know what the best way for someone to get in touch with you, maybe to talk about their project? Okay, so our website is www.ruthnewman.com.au and we have a contact us page and a book an appointment on there. So that's probably the quickest and easiest that comes through and checks the calendar and all those sort of things. Otherwise, you can find us at Ruth Newman Architect and give us a call. So if someone goes to your website, are they able to book an appointment directly on the website? They are, yes. Great. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for that. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.